Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hello. Who barely made it back from her weekend <laughs> trip with tornado warnings and hurricanes I and whatever's going wings. on. Flapped my wings so hard in between the tornadoes. <laughs> It's crazy. You forget spring weather, right? Spring and fall has like the wackiest, most insane turn on a dime weather. Yeah, and, I was uh, I was woken ugh. up in the middle of the night last night by just the yes. loudest thunder. Well, and when they said, you know, your flight's delayed due to snow in Chicago, I was like, what? Dude, it's <laughs> April 14th. It's 80 degrees here in North Carolina. I will never forget um, the year that New York City got like two feet of snow on April 19th. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I remember so well is that my husband was supposed to be flying to Florida with both of my kids and I was supposed to have a week alone and the storm hit and he tried. He he dug us out of, um, you know, he dug the car out and we got to the airport. But after like half a day, everything was canceled. They made it out the next day. But oh, my God, April 19th, two feet of snow in New York. I remember that Crazy. because I remember you being so upset. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when my kids were little, I lived for those trips when my husband would take them to visit his parents and I would get like six days to myself. It kept me sane. It was like twice a year and it was something that I just needed so much. Hilarious. Well, you'd never know it, but we're not going to talk about weather today on the show. <laughs> Um, today on the show, we're actually going to talk about safety in particular because of the recent articles about um, women unfortunately being either attacked and or killed by, I'm going to say Uber drivers, but I think Uber has become a catch-all phrase for sort of just car app drivers. Right. And the latest one wasn't even an Uber driver. So right. it's like just like car safety when you're taking a, a rideshare thing in general rideshare tips yeah yeah just total rideshare and and you know what safety tips in general i think when you're different apps and things that can help you or your kids when they're finally venturing out by themselves or your kids when they head off to college and mm -hmm. maybe navigating you know kind of deserted campuses at night and um or your kids are finally going out to parties and things like that um and just different ways that they can tell you that they're safe but if they're away from home form their own groups and also make sure other people know they're safe with peer groups because i think that's really important i think people are used to maybe tracking their kids now or checking in with their kids but when your kids go out in college um or beyond like they need to know how to keep themselves safe that's not reporting back to you mm -hmm. so we're going to dive into that today and then we will have our bites of the week so let's dive right in um I feel like every time I hear one of these stories about someone ending up, you know, assaulted or killed by a car driver, by a rideshare driver, um, everyone goes through the same cycle <laughs> of, you know, how, how why, they must have been drunk, they must have been, you know, they they passed out they're not you know where were their friends like we've had these conversations before but there are some basic safety tips right like we should just start with the basic how you can set up things in these apps to make sure that you are safe mm -hmm. um so i know in uber 
if we're going to stock like actual name brand Uber, there is, you can set up family account, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, so they have their kids logging into their account, <laughs> which is just bad on so many levels. Um, so instead of you, then it thinks it's you. So it's bad for profiles. It's bad for a lot of things, but you can set up a family account, give your kid their own account. Um, and then it will automatically share their location and the, all their details of their Uber trip. And I just want to say that um, we've had this set up on my son's phone for years and his is still working, but I tried to set this up on my daughter's phone over the weekend and it said that this feature had been suspended. Really? So I don't, I'll, I'm going to oh. keep checking and see if it's back, but we, like I tried like five different ways. We were not able to set up her on our our family account over the weekend but like since my son's was already set up it was still working so i'm gonna like maybe i'll contact uber try to find out what's going on with that because it's such a great feature but we'll we'll pretend that it's working again so they just do it you can you can try it because hopefully it will be working again and not even just for kids i mean when my mom started taking ubers to to go visit my sister you know when she had an aide with her my sister had it set up so that she could track my mom's, the car Mm -hmm. on the way so that she knew when to go downstairs and go meet the car, you know? So it's, it's just a really nice, convenient way to keep track of everyone in your family when you need to. Yeah. And then let's just talk about the basics, which is they will always send you the license plate number always. So take the time to match the number that's on your app with the car that's pulling up, particularly if you are a woman standing alone outside, because we know that these guys who are pretending to be Uber drivers, and we should be clear about this. These are not people who are killed by actual Uber drivers. Not usually. Not usually. It's happened occasionally, but most of the time it has been um, people pretending to be a rideshare driver and knowing that if they cruise these bars at night, these clubs, um, restaurants, there will be people waiting for a car who aren't paying that close attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it was so really shocking to me when I, the first time I took an Uber outside of New York City, because in New York, drivers of all these rideshare apps have to be livery licensed. So they are not some dude in his own car. <laughs> drive or woman, but driving up to pick you up. It is, you know, usually a typical car that you see with car services. Um, they have a T in their license plate, which is means they're registered with a taxi and limousine service. So when I went to Atlanta, I think was the first time where I did an Uber um, and like some dude like pulled up in his Honda and I was like, what is this? <laughs> it felt so creepy to me to get into some random person's actual car. Um, so I think that is where it's doubly important to make sure. I mean, it's certainly important in New York as well to just check that license plate and very easy to mistake every black car that pulls up because that tends to be what they are. But wow, when you're getting to some random person's car, who's not registered as a livery driver, I think it's so different. Yeah. I didn't even realize that that was the case until you mentioned it to me, Rebecca. Like I never noticed that they were all livery cars. Yeah. And, and I had no idea that that wasn't the case in other... I'm not very observant. No, I mean, in New York, you'll actually see their license sticker on the windshield as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I just took an Uber home from the airport. And, 
you know, it was one of those things where so many of the cars looked alike. Um, but in New Jersey, as you say, you know, it could just be like a gray Honda Accord. You know, it could be anything. No TLC license plate, nothing like that that denotes that they are a rideshare car. So I'm just always very careful to check the license plate, make sure it matches. And then I never say my name or their name. I just kind of stand there like, who are you here for? And wait for them to say my name before I get in. Oh, I've taught my daughter to ask them their name before she gets in. Right. Because, you know, she's got the name right there on the app. Right. And who are you here for? Yep. And, and um, Andrea, when we were in Las Vegas a few months ago, you in the Vegas cars, you were able to change the sign on the dashboard to purple. On the lift. To, yeah, on the lift to your signature lift. color, which made it even, you know, because like someplace like CES, there are like 100 people waiting for a lift or an Uber. Um, they should all have that. They should all have to have that sign where you can like customize it so that you know that it's yours. They're just, there's so many that steps. Was that was awesome. They... I just kept turning all the cars purple. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's, my fantasy. There are just so many steps that Uber could take that they're not going to take unless um, legislation makes them. I know even just if instead of being able to change the beacon light for a lift, like why not show a number that was text to your phone? You know, when you sign into your bank account or whatever, and they're like, we're going to text you this code, enter it. Like, why not text you a four-digit code that's on your phone, and then you see it on their windshield? Um, there's so many ways to guarantee that this is right. And I think you cannot stress to your kids enough that they have to not be so trusting and just hop into a car, that they need to take the four seconds to match the license plate to ask who they're there to pick up because sometimes also I've had this happen in New York and it probably doesn't happen in other places where people are driving their own cars but the downside of the livery driver thing is sometimes people loan out their cars mm. and it'll be like their son is driving it or they're you know mm-hmm. so sometimes you're like uh, <laughs> what's up with that um, but see who they're there to pick up and then let's discuss once you're in the car Oh, because the um, woman who prompted this conversation, the one who was killed, um, they said that once she got into the car, probably drunk, um, he had the child locks on in the back seat. Yeah. And I don't know how they can prevent that. They can't. That terrifies me. Um, yeah, that that is something a driver can always do, right? Is do those child locks unless they start to require that these cars who register as rideshare cars have to disable their child lock system. Mm. Um, I've never even thought about that before. I do always have that moment when I'm in a car and I hear the click, click, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where they put the thing down where I'm like, Oh, uh, what just happened? But it's never occurred to me that they could put on the child lock. It's just crazy. But you know, once you're in that situation, there are things you can do like on my phone and I'm sure that most smartphones have something like this built in. This is built into my galaxy. I have the setting on where if I press one of the side buttons three times in a row, it activates like an emergency alert thing. And I have my husband designated as the person who gets the alert and he gets a text that has my location, a 10 second recording and a picture from the front camera. Um, and, you know, generally I do it by accident and then I have to immediately text him saying I'm fine. Um, but if I ever had to deploy that in a real emergency, nobody would see me doing it. You know, it's it's absolutely silent and they wouldn't know. 
So there is an app called Shake to Safety mm. um, for Android. I don't know if it's on the iPhone, but what it basically allows you to do that, you can set it up as you tap the power button four times or you shake the phone really hard. You can de decide what your emergency is, and then it sends an emergency message to a contact and records audio and video of what's happening. Um, so there, there are actually a bunch of apps um, that... I yeah, there's love. some like there's one called Companion. I mean, there's a lot of them that will track your ride that basically track your GPS location. If your GPS is on on your phone, you have to remember that, too. Right. Um, but there's also some I remember um, doing a whole segment on personal safety devices. A lot of them, you know, are just things that you could wear like on your bra strap or something. If you're in a bar and you feel uncomfortable and you click it and it makes your phone ring. You know, so you can like take that phone call and leave or you click it two times and it texts your friend help and you can personalize and set them up to say, you know, I need help. Come find me. Or if you give it like the ultimate level of clicks, I don't know how many it is. It texts your location to someone. And I know that there's a new one. I think we talked about it last year called Revolar, R-E-V-O-L-A-R. Um, it's like under $60 on Amazon and does the same kind of thing. You can personalize um, who you want it to text and what the different clicks mean. And there's there are things that masquerade as jewelry that will do things like that. There's the NIM ring, which you can, can deploy, you know, in, in a way that nobody would know what you're doing, and especially if somebody like takes your phone so that you can't use your phone. Um, they might not notice that you've got this piece of jewelry that can do the same thing. Well, Uber also has that emergency built into their app. Um, if you hit, there's an like an emergency button that'll automatically ping Uber, um, saying that you're in distress. The problem is if you're not in a legitimate Uber, <laughs> right? If you're in one of these guys masquerading. Um, there's an app called Circle of Six, which I think a lot of college students use, which is on Android and iPhone for free, but it lets you pick six people. So it can be friends, it can be your parents, it could be your RA if you're in college, whatever it is. And it you preset messages about your safety um, and text. So it can say like leaving now or, you know, need help. And then um, there's a pin icon that has a distress message all automatically with your GPS coordinates. So someone can pick you up. All you do is push that. Um, but it's nice to have a circle of people because sometimes... Um, that one person you might have selected isn't there. Right. Um, and there's also one called OnWatch, which is also for Android and iPhone, which lets you connect with different emergency contacts. So you can put in campus police for a college student. You can put in 911. Um, it has a timer feature if you're walking home. So it asks you to check in. And then if you don't, it sends out the alert with your GPS location. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I wonder if, um, you know, when I was in college, there were volunteers who would walk you places. It would be like two volunteers at a time. There definitely you. are. Every tour we've been on, they've talked about that and the blue lights all over campus that you right. can pull. Um, oh my there's gosh, definitely they the still escort. have those blue lights? Yeah, wow. all over <laughs> campus and, and, this, and the escort service. Um, That's a bad name for it. Yeah. What? The escort service? <laughs> I think it's a great name. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's also, so I will tell you that last weekend, like sometimes it's pure danger, right? And sometimes it's harassment. Mm -hmm. 
And last weekend, my daughter was on the subway very early in the morning. I'm not like 3 a.m., but she was on the subway at 7.30 a.m. on a Saturday um, going out to Queens because she had a debate tournament. And there were these two guys on the subway. You know, the subway is just a lot less crowded at that time who were super drunk, obviously, from their night before, still totally wasted and started harassing her. And she was so scared like she went to switch cars. She was afraid they'd follow her. They didn't. But she was so scared that they would follow her off the train. Mm-hmm. That's what she was like the most scared of, like walking out of a station in a neighborhood she didn't know um, to walk to the school that she would like not know what to do. And she was so upset that none of the other people in the car did anything. I mean, really upset. Like, I think that shook her more than anything. She's like, all these other women pretended they didn't see what was going on. And I got in the car that had all these women in it for that reason, you know, like thinking that was safe. And it shook her so much. So there's an app called Hollaback, like Hollaback Girl, (laughs) H-O-L-L-A-B-A-C-K. And it is about collecting evidence of street harassment. And it's basically to like collect it all to show the world, like, and authorities the extent of the problem. So it takes your location and then lets you give details on how you were harassed or what you witnessed happening to someone else. And then it broadcasts it basically. Um, and so you can start to see this, I guess you don't feel so alone, but also so authorities can start to see this mass collection of harassment that's happening. Cause most of the time women don't report like, right. My daughter didn't report that. Right. Like what are you going to um, report? You know, you, right. you almost feel stupid reporting it. Except she was so shaken and she knows that they're not going to do anything, right? right? Like, so what are you going right. to do? Get or off? That's why you feel stupid. lack of faith in humanity. Well, right. and, it, and it's tough because like, you know, sometimes you see something going on and it can be tough to know when to step in. Like maybe you didn't see how it started. Maybe you don't know exactly what's going on. I'm going to try to find the article. Um, it was actually dealing with a, a Muslim girl who was being harassed on a subway. Um, but I think this could apply to so many situations. And the article, it explained that the goal is not to confront the harassers. You just kind of slip in between the harassers and the yeah. victim and pretend that you know the victim. Like you just kind of sit down next to them, ignoring the harassers. They're like, oh my God, Sheila, is that you? I haven't seen you in forever. And just engage them. And often that's enough to get the harassers to just go away. You know what else I was thinking, too? And this is just like thinking about women's safety, but thinking about how they have those blue lights on campuses, um, that there needs to be like a button on subways. um, It would get worn out in a week. Yeah, Yeah. probably. But it should alert the conductor Mm -hmm. that something's happening on the train because you don't want to pull an emergency brake, right? Right. (laughs) Be stuck like... Um, but this idea that you should be able to call for help when you're at your most vulnerable, which is being stuck underground in a metal can, right? Yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing worse. Um, and they can have somebody maybe wait, like, like maybe they could like the button could alert them to what car you're in and exactly. somebody could be waiting at the next station at the doors yeah. of that car. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's all I think it would take, even if it got worn out, like too bad, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? But, um, you know, it's interesting because I do think women have to take it into their own hands in a lot of ways. And that's what a lot of these apps are about. And that's what like double checking when you're doing ride share, you know, I, I read an article the other day about how ride share apps have freed up suburban moms in a lot of ways. 
um, once they feel confident putting their kids in Ubers. And I don't know how many suburban moms feel confident putting their kids alone in Ubers. Um, they didn't really talk about that. City moms, we're all for it. We're like, woohoo, bye, get an Uber. Um, but, you know, it is a great trade-off to me if you can start to have that possibility as a mom who is a, suddenly a chauffeur all the time. Um, that trying to arrange for like someone to get your kid and someone to pick up your kid and someone to the, and it's a nightmare. And like the fact that these rides could free up parents in a way should be a great thing, not a scary thing. Mm -hmm. Um, even though a lot of the rideshare apps don't even technically allow it, I guess they don't allow minors to ride for, you know, alone, which is, you know, no one's following. No one. Although I've seen in Via, I've gotten in a Via in New York City and there's like, you know, school kids <laughs> taking a Via home from school. Oh, yeah. Via is a school bus. Via is 100% <laughs> totally. a school bus. And totally. I think it's because it is, um, for people who don't live in New York, it is it is true ride share. It's like carpooling. It, it picks up more and more people along the way. I think people feel very safe about it for that reason. Um yeah, via the school bus at this point. But a lot of suburban parents are not comfortable with Uber and Lyft and other ride-sharing services. And I'm in a, um, a suburban mom Facebook community group. And a lot of moms just are really scared of it. And there was a whole conversation going on about how now there's all these strange cars cruising around the neighborhood. And you don't know who they are. You don't know if they're an Uber waiting for someone or if they're staking out your house or, you know, whatever. Um, I think it kind of sends suburban moms into a little bit of a panic. And that's that's the problem with these things, because you want to teach your kids how to be safe. Um, it's just common sense. And it is necessary because like I'm, I'm looking at an article on my computer right now saying that like three dozen women have been attacked in recent years um, on ride shares. But on the other hand, I was on a Facebook group looking at somebody's post about um, letting their, their kid go somewhere with another friend. And it was amazing to me how fast the conversation devolved into human trafficking. It's like, what? yeah, like, <laughs> like that is not the danger that you have to watch out for here. You know, like you can't assume that every strange car in your neighborhood is somebody waiting to snatch your child. Like we're not doing this, this episode to scare people. We just want you to have common sense tools to keep yourself safe in the unlikely event that something like this happens. But we don't want you to look at every single person as somebody who's going to kill your child if they get into the backseat of their car. You know, it, it is interesting, though, because I can see, you know, we spend a large part of early parenting telling kids not to get into a stranger's car. Um, and then just because they're registered on some app, <laughs> you're like, oh, they're okay. Because you're trusting that Uber or Lyft or whomever um, are doing background checks, which we know is are not really happening to the degree they need to. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I always say like, you know, it's like when they bust camp counselors and stuff. Like they're like, they did a background check. It's like, right, well obviously like it's everyone's this way until they get caught the first time. Right. Um, there's always a first time someone gets caught. Right. So it is a weird mixed message. I think to kids that you don't want them getting in a stranger's car. You don't want them, you know, whatever, but like, Hey, if, if that stranger's attached to an app, it's all good. Um, so I, I think it is a hard, it is a hard thing and you really have to um, weigh the pros and cons of, of what it, what the rideshare is giving you, you know, again, in a dense city like New York, it just tends to be, I don't know. You just feel like that car is just going to get where it's supposed to go. Cause they just want to get onto their next ride and they're not really going into like 
you know, unless you're driving into Brooklyn. Look, I remember growing up in Brooklyn and taking a cab home at night and being terrified. Um, it was like all these streets were deserted. You know, it feels very different when you're taking side streets through neighborhoods that are empty at night because they're just totally residential than it does driving around Manhattan um, where, you know, at two in the morning, there's still a ton of people out or people walking their dogs, like whatever it is, there's everything's lit. There's businesses that are open. There are doormen outside their buildings, you know, what, what have you. Um, I, so I can see that in the suburbs that your kid driving home by themselves at night through windy room, you know, roads and going to a cul-de-sac, whatever it is, it feels creepier um, and maybe less safe, even though it's probably, you know, technically you're supposed to think the suburbs are more safe. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is other than making your kids as smart as possible about their situations and making sure they have these apps where they are reporting back to you. I always tell my kids just get on the phone and pretend they're on the phone, even if they're not. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a tip that I read so, in an article. Like, as you're getting into the car, have the phone to your ear saying, hey, honey, I'm getting into, you know, whoever's yeah. Uber, and I'll be home well, in 10 minutes. That's exactly what I did on uh, when I left. I The Uber driver picked me up, and I got on the phone, and I was like, yeah, oh, hi, the cats are fed. There's dinner in the fridge for you. I hope you <laughs> like it. And then, of course, I was going to go on Facebook and post, hey, I just made this fake call to Uber telling the guy I was home, and I'm not really home. And I thought, well, that would be dumb telling all of Facebook <laughs> that I'm not really home. <laughs> well, that touches on an article that I sent you, Andrea, about a week ago. Um, of an Uber driver who picked somebody up from her house, dropped her off at the airport, and then went back and tried to rob her house because yep. he knew that's that she why, was gone. That's why I made the phone call. Yep. Right. Right. So, no, that is really weird. So if you're taking an Uber to the airport, I don't know, maybe go around the corner and call them from there. Is that <laughs> Go is from that your neighbor's right? house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's so mean to go to your neighbor's house. Well, go to a neighbor you don't like and leave from their house. <laughs> Well, the yeah. bottom line is that there's a, there's a lot of, you know, if you're in the right state of mind, there's a lot of safety precautions you can take that you can use these ride sharing services, but you have to like everything else, you know, you have to verify, you have to look at what's going on, you have to look at your app, you have to certainly make sure all the information matches up. And we're talking about looking after our kids, but also look after your friends. If yeah. you are out at a bar with your friends and one of them is going to leave, you go out with her and you make sure that she gets into the right car, you know, especially if there if there's drinking involved. Or they don't, or you get into the car with her. So that's the other thing I have to say, because I have had, um, my friend's kids have had this experience and my daughter had this experience after a party where they all felt so proud of themselves that they put their drunk friend in the cab. Um, if your drunk friend gets in the cab and passes out, <laughs> in the cab, anything can happen to your friend. So sometimes it means you got to, someone's got to get in the cab with that person um, and make sure they get home safely. And that's just going to cost what it's going to cost. Or that person isn't able to go home yet, right? Like you have to stay with that person until they're sober enough to be able to say where they live. That's a good point. Um, because I was horrified when my daughter told me the story about how they put their friend in a cab and they were all so proud of themselves. And I was like, oh my God, what if she puked and passed out in the back seat? <laughs> like, just cause you told the cab where to go. Right. Doesn't mean know, the cab's going to take her there or exactly. if she gets, is sick and needs help. Yeah. So I think there's also a different level of like, if your friend's too drunk to read a license plate, probably shouldn't be getting in the back seat of a car by yourself. Um, or himself, you know, guys, things happen to guys all the time too. Um, 
So yeah, I think that buddy system should like last through the end of the evening, <laughs> like to tell everyone's safe. Um, it's not, it's never a bad decision to make if it costs you 20 bucks, you know, like you'll figure it out yeah, and make but, it clear to your kids that you'll cover that cost, you know, make some kind of contract yes. with them where, you know, if they've got to get a friend home, if, if they need to get home, that they're not going to get in trouble and they're not going to have to pay for it or whatever you work out with them. Yeah. You know what I also think needs to happen? And I don't know how this happens because maybe being a rideshare driver isn't also safe for the driver a lot of times. You know, they can be robbed and whatever, but there need to be more women drivers. Yeah. Um, more women drivers and your ability to request a woman would go really far. <laughs> um, I think women would just feel much safer if, and maybe, in you know, probably some lawsuit if you only allowed women to request women, but Well, yeah, there was that, that family company, I forget the name, it started yes. a couple of years ago that was specifically for Ubering kids around. I think it started in California, and I am kind of wondering if they ran into any problems because they did state that they only hired female drivers. Yeah, and I think they folded. Did they? Yeah, I think they did. Um, I think it just wasn't parents still weren't comfortable enough even with that like it was weird and it was also a lot more expensive than just putting them in an uber yes um and there was a company that tried to do female it was like a female only uber a few years ago and i don't know what happened with that either i don't know if there was a lawsuit but i'm always happy when i get a female driver mm -hmm. um and it doesn't usually happen in new york no, it usually happens when i'm outside of new york it has happened to me so many times in other cities not once yep. in new york yep I guess because you need that other license, maybe it's just another hurdle for women. But in other cities, it's there are tons of women doing it as their side hustle or their main hustle, actually. Um, but yeah, it, more women would be great. I'm, it's always a relief to see. So that is, I think that's all of our tips. Any other tips? I can't think of any. Covered just, a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, you've you've just got to be smart without terrifying yourself into immobility. You know, this stuff is, despite all of the news coverage. It is rare, but it happens enough that you have to be aware and you have to be smart. Yeah. And I will say I sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times in a strange city, I take, even though it's more expensive, I take the regular airport cab. I just feel safer that they're like metered and registered and I do it all the time. All right. Well, with that, um, let us know if you have any tips or if you let your children ride in Ubers by themselves and at what age you let them if you did. And we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? Okay, so I'm going to do two only because one is like hyper local. Um, so the first one, uh, over the weekend, I went to the opening night performance at the Paper Mill Playhouse, which is a, a great... I love uh, the Paper Mill. Paper Mill is awesome. If, for those of you not in the New York City area, a lot of Broadway shows start at the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey. It's fantastic. Newsy um, started there. Yeah, like so many things start there that end up on Broadway. And even the stuff that doesn't end up on Broadway is just good quality stuff. So um, a friend of mine was in the pit for their new musical, Benny and June, and invited me to, to come to opening night. And I have never seen the movie Benny and June. I had no idea what it was about. Um, it I think I was like confusing it in my head with Harold and Maude. I was like, I think I'm going to see a play about some old people. I don't know. What do you mean? But Harold and Maude's not about old people. Wait, then what am I confusing that with? What's Harold that and Maude is a really young, a young man with oh an old God. lady. That's what Harold and Maude is. That's why it's so 
fabulous. Okay, I've never seen either of them, <laughs> and now I don't even know what movie I was confusing that with. But like, it was so refreshing to go into a show knowing nothing about it. Like, even when I've seen things that weren't based on movies, sometimes it was based on history and I knew how it ended. No, this, like, I was going in 100% fresh. And it was so good. Like, it would, like, the music is fantastic. The performances were amazing. The staging was just really unusual and fantastic. Um, of course, the orchestra pit was great because my friend was in it. Um, but if you're in the New York City area, it's running for about a month. Um, and it's just, it's so good. So I highly recommend it. And I think you can take the train from yeah. New York City right to the paper mill. You can. Yeah, it's it's really convenient. Um, and if you're driving, like I, I got there in, uh, I think it took like an hour from Brooklyn. So um, not too bad. And the shows tend to be on the earlier side, especially on Sunday. Like it started at seven. So I didn't get back ridiculously late. So see, Amy, it would take you an hour to get to me. Well. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, you come to, how about we just move to Manhattan like we have then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes so much to get me in my car. Like, I just, I hate driving places. <laughs> if I can't take the subway there, I don't want to go. But for friends, I will make an exception. And for good theater, I will make an exception. <laughs> um, but because not everyone is in the tri-state area and could take advantage of that bite, I also have a, have a wider one. Um, this is a comedy bit that made the rounds about a year ago and it's going around again. And it's one of those bits that gets funnier every time I see it. And it's John Mulaney. There's a horse loose in the hospital. Have you guys seen this? Yes. Oh my God. It's so funny. And I could watch it. It's like seven minutes long. I'm going to post it on our blog page. Um, but it's just, it's hilarious. It's about politics. Uh, it's, just, I'm going to warn you, there's language, but it's, it's like, pee your pants, laugh out loud funny. I think all of his specials are on Netflix right now. Oh, I need to watch more. I love yeah. him. I love just seeing him in interviews. I just, there's something about him. I just love him. Cool. All right, Andrea. So a, a couple of weeks ago, Amy and I met with a company called um, August Locks. Actually, they, they work with a bunch of different lock companies or the, whoever owns them is. But anyway, we saw a new product called the August View, which basically for those of you who know about the Ring Video doorbell, um, it lets you attach a new doorbell with a video camera so you can see who's at your front door and interact with them. And one of the sticking points for people um, is having to hardwire a new doorbell. Um, for some people, they just can't do the wiring or, you know, they're in a situation where there isn't already a hardwired um, line out there. So I was visiting friends this weekend, as you know, because I got stuck there. And um, my friend was saying that he was looking for a new video doorbell, but couldn't find one that he could put on his door. And I was like, have I got one for you? <laughs> so it's called the August View. And it does everything that you want. It records video. It tells you who's at the door. Um, it's got really good um, field of vision. You can have a two-way conversation with anyone. And the highlight of it is that it can be installed anywhere. You don't need an electrician because it has. It comes with a chime that you plug in. And there's no wires needed for this. You just install it on the outside of your door and you're good to go. Um, I haven't tried it yet. I haven't actually tested and used it yet. But if um, if the quality and the, 
user experience is as good as other August products, then I have really high hopes for it. It's got um, great, you know, more than full HD video. And if you do have an August smart lock and a Wi-Fi bridge, you can actually see who's at your door and connect the video doorbell to the lock and let them in. Open your front door and let them in. So um, I was excited to be able to recommend it because it looks like a really good product. Um, but I'm also looking forward to trying it out myself. Yeah, and they gave me one to try too. And I told them I was afraid to because I live in Brooklyn and I was afraid that it would be like stolen and stripped for parts within 10 minutes. And they were like, no, we send you a new one if that happens, which is an amazing feature. Isn't that cool? That's if someone cool. damages your device, they'll send you a new one. Although, Amy, I was actually thinking that they were really interested in finding out, like, how would someone actually take this apart? Like, what what parts do they take? Right, because there there are some some things that you can screw in there to make it harder for somebody to take. Um, but since it is easy to install, you know, it's probably easier to uninstall. So that really gives you peace of mind. Right. I like that idea, though, because I've been trying to figure out, since we're getting a dog, um, <laughs> do I really want to give a dog walker keys to my apartment when I'm not going to use them all the time? Right. You know, it's not someone who's going to come every day. I don't need a dog walker every day. Like, I would love to have something that's that I could just let them in when I want and not have someone walking around with my keys. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. Maybe yeah. I'll think about that you have so many options because so many locks like that you can program it so that the person can get in with the app on their phone but only at certain times so if they right. try to come by at a different day or time it's not going to work uh, yeah that's interesting too my problem is <clears throat> we have a universal front door oh like for the building that they have to get past yeah so i don't know i'll figure it out um all right that's a cool bite um my bite this week, I have two. My first is um, yesterday I went to see the new Disney nature film, Penguins. Mm. And like all Disney nature films, it's so well done. Um, beautiful. It took them three years to film um, because they were in Antarctica. <laughs> so you have a very small window <laughs> of time um, where you have to, I guess, keep going back after. And... Unlike March of the Penguins, for those of you who are familiar with that documentary, which was about the emperor penguins and the big, you know, and how they all sit in a circle and guard the thing. And it's like, um, these are different um, penguins. They're the smaller ones. And they have like this little short sort of mating season. It's like all happens in the six weeks of summer <laughs> that happen in Antarctica. Um, so it's not this like brutal winter you're watching them go through. It's really about like the penguins. They find each other. You know, they mate for life. Um, they have two chicks and then they each have to take turns. It's like total co-parenting. <laughs> they each have to take turns getting fish for the chicks to eat. They kind of raise them and then hope they get to get them to open water before the winter comes and they're frozen over. Um, so it's only 75 minutes. So it's much more kid friendly um, than your typical documentary. And Ed Helms is the narrator. <laughs> And he's so great. And he's sort of the inner monologue voice of the lead penguin also. Um, so, you know, they they definitely create a story out of um, what must have been, I can't even imagine how many hours of footage. 
Um, and they sort of pick this one penguin and they name him Steve. And he's the main penguin that they focus on and his his journey as a dad, as a new dad. Um, and Ed Helms does his like internal monologue as well as being an overarching narrator. So it's really cute. It's really well done. My six-year-old niece loved it. She said it was a little scary because there is a time when the leopard seals are, are hunting the penguins. When they're trying to make it to open water, the leopard seals are like ready for them. Um, so it's a little bit scary, but it was like a perfect length and the time flew by and all the kids seemed super into it. And it was really cute. And they learn a ton about nature, obviously, and, and everything that's going on. Um, so I highly recommend that as like a sweet film to take a little one to maybe not too little. It can, I think maybe if they were under six, it might get boring. Um, cause it is still a documentary, you know, they, give it a storyline but it's not like you know there's no tap dancing <laughs> it's not like a disney comedy with jokes no to it's not animated yeah. it's not there's no you know singing there's some cute the music is great but it's not you know it's not a musical um so i highly recommend that my second bite is an article um that was on npr this morning which was part of morning edition um, about a new program. The article is called For Kids with Anxiety, Parents Learn to Let Them Face Their Fears. And it's a new program that went on at Yale that they are now hoping to roll out, I think, in a much broader way, where instead of putting the kids in therapy for anxiety, they put the parents in therapy um, for learning how to deal with their kids' anxiety. And they completely change the way parents are parenting and responding to their anxious children. And the success has been tremendous. <laughs> um, the parents went for, I think, 10 sessions on how to respond to their child's anxiety. And, or I guess it was 12 weeks. I think that's what it is. And then they kept following up with them. And it was so much more successful than treating the children. Well, I also have to wonder if, like, the parents just take it more seriously, you know? Because, like, therapy is expensive, the person paying going in is going to is going to well, like pay more attention. I think what they were saying is that it's harder to change the child's behavior, particularly this these were was an 8-year-old um that they were dealing with the people they focused on in this article. So they said they're trying to look now if it can they can extrapolate it with uh teens. Mm -hmm. But these were younger kids and that instead of focusing on the kid managing their anxiety with the therapist and learning skills and whatever, and then going home to the same home, they trained the parents how to respond to the anxiety, um, maybe like a therapist would, instead of how a parent would, right? So instead of your instinct, which is either to tell your kid to buck up and whatever, or your instinct, which is to like give into it, and then all of a sudden your kid's sleeping in your room and your kids, you're sitting in the bathroom, outside the bathroom door while your kid showers because they don't want to be alone, like whatever it is that these parents were doing, where you start to accommodate the anxiety. Um, they taught the parents the methods for making the kids sort of face the anxiety, but in a very gentle, gradual way, and then empower the kid. Um, it is, when you read the article, it is so not the instinct of any parent <laughs> on earth dealing with an anxious kid. Um, so it was fascinating to me and the parents responded so positively to it because they all realized it was not how they were responding to anything. Um, you know, and then of course it stops the arguing between the parents about how they should be responding. If parents each feel they should be doing a different thing. And it was, it's just a really fascinating article and I hope it's something that starts to be, 
um, really taken seriously and really looked at as an effective means. And they were saying that probably combining the two, doing the parental training with the kids in um, cognitive behavioral therapy, that the two would probably be the most powerful of all. Um, but I'm all for these things that are all about sort of training what's going on in the home and all these different methods rather than um, going straight to medication, right? which I think is the default for a lot of people, particularly with boys. They end up giving them like ADD meds and anxiety meds and, you know, and um, it's, I don't know, it seemed great. And I hope they could train teachers would also be really effective, I think, because, you know, a lot of kids spend the bulk of their time hours a day at school and how teachers are responding to this anxiety is also part of it. But anyway, it's a great article and um, worth, worth reading if it's something that interests you or something you're dealing with. And that is it. These are our, that was our show for today. And uh, we'll have links to everything we talked about. We had a lot of stuff we covered today, as usual, I guess. Uh, We'll have links on our site on parentingbites.com, as well as on facebook.com slash parentingbites. Obviously, rate, review, share, subscribe, wherever you listen to us and your podcasts. We love to hear from you. Keep the comments coming. Um, As a reminder, uh, Julie Lithcott-Hames, our guest from last week, who was so amazing, um, who was the Dean of Freshmen at Stanford and wrote How to Raise an Adult and Real American. She is willing to come back and answer more questions about raising an adult or the college process or any of these things that we discussed last week. So please keep those questions coming, especially on our Facebook page. That's the easiest place for us to kind of collect them and respond. And that's it until next week. Happy parenting. Bye. Happy parenting.